Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Today we are up to part four of our series called God Can. Uh, The key text for this series is Luke 1 and 37, which we will all say together, Go, for nothing is impossible with God. Who can say an amen to that this morning? For nothing is impossible with God. A little while ago, I bought these gardening gloves, or work gloves generally, Uh, And I actually really like them because they're not heavy and they're not super, super thick. Uh, They have a a really nice leather palm and leather fingers, but the back's kind of a neoprene thing. So they're kind of really comfortable and uh, you still kind of have a lot of dexterity as you use them because they're not super, super clumsy. But I I like those gloves. And here's the thing about a glove. Even though a glove looks um, kind of eerily like a hand... Uh, Without a hand in the glove, a glove is virtually useless. But the interesting thing, when you do put your hand in the glove, the glove actually takes on the life of your hand. So what my hand does, the glove does. So I hope you have that picture in your mind because I would suggest that in part, even though it's a crude picture, it's a little bit of a picture of what our life in Christ is like, of what our relationship with God is is all about. Listen to this passage in Galatians 2 and 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's look at Jesus' words in John 15 and 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Through this series, we have been talking about the limitless power of God. We are talking about the fact that God transcends the natural, that our God is all-powerful. He is a supernatural God. God can. But here's the challenging thing. When it comes to the way that God chooses to work in the world today, if you are a born-again believer in this place, like it or not, you are a glove. We are the vessels that God chooses to use and God by his Holy Spirit fills us with his power and his capacity and if we are in line with the Spirit, if we're in check with the Spirit, if we're in in intimate relationship with Christ, we begin to do what the Spirit does. You see, under the Old Covenant, if we roll back to the Old Testament, if you wanted to experience God's power, If you wanted to experience God's presence, there was one place that you could experience or encounter God. It started in the tabernacle in the desert and then it continued as the temple was built. The temple became the embodiment of God. It was the place that you went 
to encounter God, to experience God. So if you needed uh, cleansing, you would go to the temple. If you needed forgiveness, you would go to the temple. If you needed healing, you would go to the temple. But then in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, comes Jesus. Colossians 1 and 19 For God was pleased, speaking of Jesus, to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus. The Amplified says, For it pleases the Father for all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, powers and attributes to dwell permanently in him, the Son. So when Jesus comes on the scene, it is an absolute game changer. The presence and the power of God that was found only in a building, the temple, is now found and experienced in a person that is Jesus. In fact, there was a a time, some of us will recall, uh, where Jesus challenged some of the activities that were going on in the temple. In fact, it had become a fairly corrupt place in some measure. And and he's challenging that the the core purpose of the temple had changed. It had become a den of thieves, essentially, was what he said. And the Jews took offense at that, and they responded to him in uh, John 2 and 18. uh, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. The temple he had spoken of was himself. So under the new covenant, Jesus becomes the personification of the temple. Everything that people used to go to the temple received is now fully met and fully found in Jesus himself. But I would suggest, at least in part, that that was only for a short time. Because after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, and just before he ascended to the Father, he made a promise that we actually discover fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 on what's called the day of Pentecost. In Acts 1 we read this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So when Jesus, who was the embodiment of the temple, ascends to the Father, it's like Suddenly the temple gets relocated again and the Apostle Paul lets us know through his writings time and time and time and time again that the temple is not in Jerusalem and the temple is not just found in Jesus, although he is the head of the new temple, now the temple is in us. And 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 says, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Again from the Amplified, do you not know and understand that you, the church, are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells permanently in you collectively and individually? I love that. And friends, this is such a challenging, but I pray an encouraging truth that the power 
and the presence of God that under the old covenant was only ever fully experienced at the temple and the power and the presence of God that became fully evident in the person of Jesus Christ, that same presence, that same power is now available and resides in everyone who calls on the name of Jesus and receives him into their lives. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. So before you attempted ever to think that the church is a building and we this week take possession of our new building, hallelujah. But the church is not a building. And Paul says this in Ephesians 2 and 19, now you're no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family, citizen of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. And he goes on to say, what a foundation you stand on now. The apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone of the building is Jesus Christ himself. We who believe are carefully joined together with Christ as parts of a beautiful, constantly growing temple for God. And you are also joined with him and with each other by the Spirit and a part of this dwelling place of God. What a picture. Friends, if you are a Christian here this morning, you are the dwelling place of God. You have the strength of God within you. And yet even so often in the church today, we still, in regards to the power and the presence of God, sometimes carry such an old covenant thinking. We have this mindset that the power of God or the experience of God is external to us. And so if we need help, we run to a person. If we need empowering, we run to an event. And yes, there's nothing wrong with events. Uh, it's great to be inspired. It's great to be encouraged. It's great to have uh, been in a setting where faith is rising. But I don't need to go to an event to receive power. I have all the power that I need to overcome anything that I would ever face. And that power, friends, is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you and lives inside of me. 1 John 4 and 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Friends, the power is within you. But sometimes we just need to be reminded of this. And yes, we need to be in fellowship. We need to be gathering with others so that faith would be inspired, so that faith would rise. Because like it or not, the moment that you said yes to Jesus and fully surrendered your life to him, you actually received a mission. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you received a mission. If you are a Christian, I want to remind you that you are on mission for God in this world. But we have, unfortunately, way too many Christians who spend way too long in their prayer closets asking God to do things that God has actually commissioned and commanded us to be doing. We have people passionately praying for revival, but some of those same people have never spoken to one person about Jesus. Matthew 9 and 35, Jesus traveled around throughout all the cities and villages of that area, teaching in the Jewish synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. 
And wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of illness. And what pity he felt for the crowds that came. Because their problems were so great and they didn't know what to do or where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says this, the harvest is so great and the workers are so few, he told the disciples. So pray to the one in charge of the harvesting and ask him to recruit more workers for his harvest fields. Jesus doesn't tell us to pray for revival. He doesn't tell us to pray for the harvest. He tells us to pray for harvesters. Because, friends, we've still got a world of hurt and a world of need that needs to understand the very hope that we celebrate here every Sunday. In fact, Monday to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This 24-7 reality that we live in, the hope that we live in, the the, the joy that we experience, the, the, the sense of, uh, of call that is upon our lives as God's people, which gives us a sense of purpose and a, a sense of understanding and making life make sense. Friends, the church has a mission. The church has a mission. And we are the church. We are the temple of God. In Matthew 28 and 18... This is Jesus announcing the mission. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So there's the mission. Go and make, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's the mission. And i got to tell you, as it was for the disciples when Jesus first announced this mission, that is an overwhelming mission. As a group of people sitting here in Olverston today, that is still an overwhelming mission. It's a mission that is too big. It's a mission that's too grand. It's a mission that's too great. It's a mission that's beyond our power, beyond our capacity to meet. But here's the thing. Even though it might be an overwhelming and daunting mission, God never gives us a mission without supplying us with the power and, and, and the resources to fulfill that mission. In fact, he gives us the power first. He gives us the power, then he gives us the mission. Acts 1 and 8, again, we've already read this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's the power. And then you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's the power and it's the mission. God never gives us a task that he does not equip us to accomplish. In fact, it's foolishness to even try to accomplish uh, God-ordained tasks without relying fully upon God's power and resources. Some people love this quote, <coughs> and I have a sneaking suspicion uh, my mother uh, said it to me once or twice when I was growing up. God helps those who help themselves. We've heard that one, yeah? God helps those who help themselves. And I, I kind of understand the sentiment and, you know, we, we don't sit around doing nothing, waiting for God to do everything. But let me tell you, God helps those who help themselves is not Scripture. It's not in the Bible. Because actually, the truth is the opposite of that. God helps those who die to themselves. 
and then allow God's power to work through them to achieve God's purposes, to accomplish only that which God can accomplish in and through us. Because if we try to accomplish the mission that God has given us in our own strength, not only will we not fulfill the mission, but we'll run out of energy, we'll run out of passion, and we'll run out of motivation really, really, really quickly. Because the strength is not ours, the strength is His. Paul writes to the Philippian church, Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love this prayer that Paul prays for the Colossian church. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light." Friends, the title of this series is God Can. But we need to move, even though it is a powerful declaration, we need to move forward from a place of declaring God can to a place of declaring I can. Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because when Jesus gives to us the great commission, when he gave it to the disciples, he was asking something that was impossible of the disciples. But that's the whole point. We need his power to accomplish his command, his commission, his mission. But here's the good news, because friends, this is the essence, the very essence of the Christian life, that Jesus has given us his authority through the promised Holy Spirit, through the infilling of his Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit indwells us from that moment we turn to God in faith and accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We have that power. There's no, re no need to dance around, no, no need to shout about it or plead for, for it or you know, just beg and beg and beg that, God, you would give me divine power. Friends, you have it. If you are a follower of Christ Jesus, you have Jesus' power in you. The Holy Spirit literally resides within you. And the more that you surrender of yourself to him, the more his power is free to flow within you. I hope that makes sense. God is there, the fullness of his Holy Spirit, and that potential is within you, which means God can, and God can empower us so that you and I can. Amen? Friends, only Jesus can transform our weaknesses into strengths. Only Jesus can transfer our inadequacies into godly confidence. 
And for each and every one of us, if that journey hasn't already started, he wants to begin that journey in you now. We have a wonderful, loving Savior that we've been singing about this morning. And some of those songs have so punctuated this message. A Savior who is waiting to demonstrate his amazing power in your life, in your circumstances, in your family, in your workplace, whatever your world looks like. He wants to demonstrate his power in the midst of that and then demonstrate his power through you to be God's hands. That God inspires us, that God fills us, empowers us. And we're his hands, we're his feet, we're his voice, we're his heart to the community around us. It is the same power that on the, on the shore of Galilee fed 5,000 families with a little boy's lunch. It's the same power that enabled Peter. Uh, and, you know, you, you look at the, uh, the lack of faith that Peter sometimes displayed, but there was that moment where Jesus came walking on the water and Jesus beckoned to Peter and probably the greatest, uh, the greatest act of faith in Peter's life, he stepped out of a boat onto a stormy sea. And he walked on the water. It's that same power that is within us. It is the same power, the power of God's spirit, that when, the, uh, that, that when God's people uh, stood on the shore of that Red Sea with a, a, an Egyptian army pursuing them, God parted the waters and they crossed through on dry land. That's the power of God. That's the power of God's Holy Spirit that resides in us. It is a power that defies logic. It is a power that defines human reasoning, which is why a lot of people struggle with it, because it's an unlimited power and it is a supernatural thing. Can I hear an amen? I'll invite the team back and we're going to share communion together in a minute. Here's some questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning. Am I living my life as an empty glove? And when I say an empty glove, am I living my life trying to do things in my strength, trying to do things in my capacity, in my ability? Am I trying to do things without God's intervention and without God's enabling power operating within me? If the answer to that is yes, or if the answer to that is I don't know, ask yourself these questions. Is this Christian walk tiring me out? Are my acts of Christian obedience exhausting me? Am I finding this really hard going? Am I running on empty instead of running on full? Because, friends, God doesn't want you to be running on empty. God doesn't want you to be exhausted. He wants to infuse you with His power and His strength and His enabling. Because when God gives you a mission, He gives you everything that you need, every resource you need to accomplish that mission. And as a senior leader of the church, let me tell you, there are still days when you're exhausted. But you bounce back pretty quick when you're relying on God's strength. you still got to face the disappointments, but it is God's strength that allows you to push through the disappointments. Because for me, I want to fully accomplish what God has set before me to accomplish. And I know that I know that I know I can only do that in His strength. In fact, next week as I wrap this series up, I just felt really prompted 
to share as I have done before, but not for a lot of years, just the story of uh, carrying my calling into ministry, uh, which is quite funny because when God deals with me, he's got to have a sense of humor. But I want that to be a story of encouragement to you. So I'll be sharing that next Sunday uh, because God is an amazing God. And I just testify yes and amen to everything I've just said this morning because I can't do anything that I do because I know my weaknesses. I know my frailty. I know my humanity. And God says, hey, you can live your life as an empty glove or you can empty, empty yourself of yourself and allow God to fill that void to empower you, to enable you to do what He has called you in obedience to do. So am I trusting God? Am I relying on His promises? Because, friends, we need to constantly call upon God and learn that all things, all things truly are possible with God. Amen? Let's read it one more time together. Luke 1 and 37. Go, for nothing is impossible with God. Friends, God can.